to us and, and the goodness that he shows us in Christ. And we want to come to his word because we know in it is truth. And in it, it changes us that we might bring glory to him. We're continuing our series in 1 Timothy. So if you would, turn on your devices, turn into your copies of God's Word uh, to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. If you'd like to use the Pew Bible that's in front of you, it's page 1052. You can follow along in the translation that I'm reading from. And we do believe that God's gift is a gift to us. And so if you don't have a copy of God's Word for your own, stop by the Next Steps desk. We have several that we would love for you to take and even choose from. Uh, and we would love for you to be in God's Word regularly. So we're going to read beginning in verse 1 uh, of chapter 4. We're going to read verse 16. And we're going to be looking today, as we've been looking throughout 1 Timothy, about what it means to leave a legacy. That foundation of a pillar of truth that Paul has told the church to be. That he is speaking to leaders, uh, to pastors, to elders, to, uh, to the church, but to everyone. That it is our role to leave a legacy of faith. And we've looked at how we've done that through worship and through godly leaders and through all these different things. And today we're going to look at a legacy of healthy Christians. So let's uh, read along uh, beginning in chapter 4 of verse 1. Now the Spirit explicitly says that in later times some will depart from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and the teachings of demons through the hypocrisy of liars whose consciences are seared. They forbid marriage and demand abstinence from foods that God created to be received with gratitude by those who believe and know the truth. For everyone created by God is good. Excuse me. For everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving since it is sanctified by the word of God and by prayer. If you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you'll be a good servant of Christ Jesus, nourished by the words of the faith and the good teaching that you have followed. But have nothing to do with pointless and silly myths. Rather, train yourself in godliness, for the training of the body has limited benefit. But godliness is beneficial in every way, since it holds the, present for the promise for the present life and also for the life to come. This saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. For, the reason, for this reason we labor and strive because we have put our hope in the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially to those who believe. Command to teach these things. Don't let anyone despise your youth, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, give your attention to public reading, exhorting, uh, exhort exhortation, and teaching. Don't neglect the gift that is in you. It is given to you through prophecy with a laying on the hands by the council of elders. Practice these things. Be committed to them so that your progress may be evident to all. Pay close attention to your life and your teaching. Preserve in the, persevere in these things for in doing this you will save both yourself and your hearers. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning knowing that we can nourish ourselves in your word. And just as we have sang, we know that the Spirit has brought this to us that we might obey it. 
that when we come up against our feelings, our minds, or even our life comes against your word, we know we are to come in line with it. So Lord, we pray this morning as we consider the word together that when we leave this place, we will never be the same again. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. You know, we understand and would all agree, probably one thing we could maybe get all Baptists to agree 100% on, that we are all expected and intended to grow. So for example, we know that healthy living or healthy growth has to happen in us, right? So for example, when Parker was born, he looked like this, bang. So this is what he looked like. Now, Parker is now 14 months old. We would all again agree that if today that he looked like this picture, that there would be a problem. We'd all say, hey, wait a second. You know, y'all aren't feeding him. Something's not right. He, everything, something's different. You need to go to a doctor. But thankfully, he looks like this, bang. So he has grown. But you know what? The same could be said for us is that if we took a picture of our faith when we were first saved, saved out of our flesh, saved out of our sin, and if we took a picture and compared it years, decades later, would we say, see the same infancy spiritual infancy in our life could we see growth would we see that God has changed us would we see any difference at all and what we would all agree is as even as Christians we have to grow spiritually into maturity and grow in godliness You see, praise God that we have been saved by faith through grace from our sin. We are grateful that Jesus Christ has taken, took our place on the cross and that he took the wrath that is for us in our sin, that he took the punishment for us that we deserve, but that in Christ he was raised from the dead and by faith in him, that we can be born again and we can live forever. Brothers and sisters, this good news has come to us and by this good news, if we repent and we believe in him, then we can be saved. Praise God. If that doesn't get you excited, your wood's wet. Y'all need to wake up in here this morning. If you've gone from dead to life, you should be excited that you've been saved by Jesus, amen? We should be praising God for what he's done. And in this good news, we know that where he has saved us, he does not leave us. By this same grace, we have been born again. By this same grace that we have been saved, the same grace is molding us and making us into the likeness of Christ. And therefore, it is our understanding both through our gratitude and what Christ has done, but by the Holy Spirit residing in us, we are new creatures showing our Christ-likeness as we live. 
Therefore, as believers saved by grace, we are growing in grace. And that means day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, decade by decade, there is progressive growth in our lives that if we take the snapshot and look back from when we were once saved, we see a new person, one that we would be amazed to see that only by God's grace we have been changed and built like this. When we think through this, we must consider if we're to live, leave a legacy of faith of healthy Christians, that we should be understanding that we ourselves are growing healthily in our faith, that we are growing to be healthy Christians. One of the fatal impacts of the church over the last several decades, and maybe we could argue for the last century, is that we as churches have failed in discipleship and we have Christians have, have failed in seeking to grow in godliness and holiness. That we have forgotten there is part of our lives as Christians to work out our faith in fear and trembling, to grow in godliness, to grow like Jesus. And we have, have allowed this to be the norm. And that has resulted in anemic, weak, and powerless Christians, which have resulted in anemic and weak and powerless churches. Therefore, we as believers know that we must do our part to seek to be growing by God's grace into maturity. So the question, are we doing our part to be healthy Christians that build healthy churches? Could you ask yourself today, are you doing your part to grow as a healthy Christian? Well, when Paul writes to Timothy here, he is speaking to the mystery of godliness, the understanding of this being a good servant of the Lord of Jesus Christ. And in doing this, he helps us to see that a leaving a strong gospel, biblical truth and understanding that mature Christians are healthy Christians. And as Paul writes to Timothy, how the church can produce godliness and growth in Christian, Christians is a healthy growth. So today in this passage, we're going to see two ways that we grow as healthy Christians. Two ways. Number one, if you're taking notes on your phone or on a piece of paper at home, number one, healthy Christians have a regular diet of the truth. Healthy Christians have a regular diet of the truth. Let me just read a few verses throughout here. Verse four to seven. For everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. Since it is sanctified by the word of God and by prayer. And if you point these things out, brothers and sisters, you'll be a good servant of Christ Jesus, nourished, by the words of faith and the good teaching that you have followed. But you have nothing to do with pointless and silly myths. And then over in verse 13, he says, until I come, give your attention to public reading, exhortation and teaching. Don't neglect the gift 
that is in you, it was given to you through prophecy with the laying on of the hands by the council of elders. And pay close attention to your life and your teaching. Persevere in these things, for in doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. And through this passage, Paul again and again shows the necessity, the vital nature, and the importance that Christians have for reading, hearing, and understanding God's Word. In verse 6, Paul makes it clear that healthy Christians are nourished by a steady diet of the Word of God. Paul is addressing, again, the false teachings that are in the Scriptures and and what's happening there uh, at, at the church in Ephesus. And there's a form of asceticism, or what is a denial of the flesh, Uh, of fleshly things, worldly things. The false teachers were saying, you know, don't get married, don't have sex, don't eat these certain foods that God has not cleaned. Deny these things uh, that, uh, and Paul says, you are being taken up by these false teachings. Number one, because you don't know God's word enough to address them. And number two, you are allowing them to distort the word of God. So address Apostle mentions two specific errors. They are denying the goodness of God and they are distorting the word of God. So first, they are denying the goodness of God. Now, no offense to Mrs. Potts from Beauty and the Beast, but the tale that's old as time is really uh, the schemes of Satan to have humanity deny the goodness of God. In the garden in Genesis 3, what did Satan do? When he talked to Adam and Eve and he says he did two things. He made them doubt God's word and he doubted God's, the goodness of God's word. When we think what God is saying to us is not good, we listen to, uh, we listen to, to ourselves, to our flesh, to Satan's schemes, to think, Oh, we think what God is telling us is not good, so we can do what we want. We're prone to wander, prone to do sinful things. And if we are not in the word Paul is telling us, then we will not see God's good plan for us. If we can't understand the goodness of his word, we won't be able to see that God has done something good for us. That his word, his instruction, his, his, uh, all the things he has said is for our good. And unfortunately, it tricks our sinful hearts and we are tempted by Satan. Therefore, we must be in the word so that we can acknowledge what is good about God's ways. This is basic fundamental of a Christian faith. Because we often come to a point where we know what God has said, but we doubt whether it's really good for us. Sometimes God's word is us making a harder choice. Sometimes God's word for us means going against culture. Sometimes God's word for us means going against our very own feelings. And at that moment, we need to say, if God has said it, it is for our good. And there is no other reason for us to follow God's word than to know eventually an 
even sometimes immediately, it is for our good. We must nourish ourselves so that we see that God's commands and his light and, and all his words to us are good. But we also must be nourished in the word so that we will not be tricked into believing false things. I mean, this is, this is honest, I mean, just this sort of basic fundamentals, right? If you want to know uh, of something that's wrong, you need to know what is right. And someone is inspection on an inspection line, you're looking at things, you know what good looks like. So when something comes down the line that's wrong, that you can fix it or reject it or, or turn it away. But what we need to be is thinking about God's word and know enough about it that we can reject when it's brought to us and that it's wrong. So the question becomes, what is your Bible intake like? How often are you reading books that would encourage you and deepen your understanding of God's word? Are you regularly sitting under God's teaching through a local church? Are you getting with others to think through the scriptures? Brothers and sisters, this sounds basic, but most of us are skipping the basic and we're allowing cracks for Satan to deceive us because we think, well, I, I've, I've listened or I've heard or I've done this. I've done just enough. Well, brothers and sisters, can you truly say that you've studied enough to start to filter what's good and bad? We have to do, we have to understand that we must know God's word. He actually goes on to say a little bit there in um, verse seven that uh, but have nothing to do with pointless and silly myths. You see, we need to make sure that we are filling ourselves with the good stuff of God's word and not taking in spiritual junk food that cuts out all the good that's in our life. There's a lot of spiritual junk food that's out there. Now let's just, we know what junk food is, right? It's, it's the stuff that is food and can possibly get you filled, but it does no good for you. It promises good, sometimes in its taste, but in the end, if, you, if that's all you ate, your detriment. Spiritual junk food is the same way, that it might sound good, it even might sound appeasing, it even might fill you up, it even might help you answer some things that you thought about, but in the end, it's not God's word and it's destructive. We must be cautious that we are not taking in the silly myths and mindset of the world. We need to be careful that we're not substituting the intake of the, 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 uh, the, the word that is without error, that is, that is the very word of God and supplementing it with the silly godless myths and wives' tales of the world. We must be cautious that we're not taking the world's teaching and mindset and listening to it as it degrades God's truth from the world. We must protect ourselves and our kids from a worldview that would argue things such as fundamental that, that same-sex attraction and marriage are good or that gender is fluid or that truth is relevant. When we allow our feelings to distort the facts, 
we have chosen to walk away from the Bible. We need to understand that we must have a steady intake of God's Word, that it nourishes us, not in these silly myths of the world. But to be honest, we also, in the same way, those who spend their time devouring political news and websites and discernment blogs and conspiratorial podcasts are doing the exact same thing. You're doing as much damage to your soul as those who take a secular worldview. You see, we live in an age where, where anyone with internet access can create a pretty good-looking blog, call it Christian, claim Christian things, and be so, quote, to be speaking a Christian worldview, yet on the other end of it is being run by a non-Christian who's breaking down, cutting down the church, claiming everybody to be liberal, cutting down their character without any shred of evidence, And we as Christians are eating it up like a buffet at Golden Corral. We think we've heard and we might agree, but we're not discerning by the spirit of God or the word of truth. Christians are like a shark with blood in the water when they start to hear that somebody's speaking some sort of ill will. And yet we never test it by the word or whether by the spirit whether we know these claims to be false or not. And unfortunately, most of the time, we as Christians are attracted to other Christian jerks than we are with Christians who are filled by the Spirit. And just as Matt Chandler observed recently, we have reduced the nature of Christianity in the public sphere as the low bar of just not being a jerk. If you can pass by that, oh, you look like a pretty mature Christian. Well, brothers and sisters, that's not very a high bar in today's standard. We must be careful that we are not filling ourselves with spiritual junk food that may seem sweet, but it's not based on anything good for you. Simon J. Robinson observed, if we fill our minds with ungodly things, we will be ungodly people. But if we fill them with God's word and nourished ourselves on the words of faith and sound doctrine of God's word, we will become excellent servants. So brothers and sisters, it is imperative that we know and that we understand what we're putting in our bodies for us to grow. Just like an infant who needs proper nutrition to grow, so do we need the proper nutrition of the word for us to grow. And as I have said before, If you believe your spiritual, biblical intake, that you are checking off all that you need, only sitting in Bible teaching and getting in the Bible when you come for an hour on a Sunday morning, then you are malnutritioned. You are not getting up enough of the Bible for you to live off healthily. And if if that's your only thing, You say, yes, year after year, day after day, you've learned a lot. But if that's it, then you are malnutritioned and you need to get in God's word yourself. We need to be sure we are leaving a legacy of healthy Christians by Christians who devour, consume, and live in the Bible. And that our children do the same thing 
and that we have that expectation of believers in our church. Number two, healthy Christians train every day in godliness. They train every, every day in godliness. Paul picks up a new idea at the end of chapter, excuse me, verse seven, when he says, rather, key word, rather, train yourself in godliness. For training in the body has limited benefit, but godliness is beneficial in every way since it holds promise for the present life and also the life to come. This saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. For this reason, we labor and strive because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially those who believe. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone despise your youth, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, give your attention to the public reading of exhortation and teaching. Let me just stop right there. Turning to the metaphor of exercise, Paul tells Timothy, train yourself for godliness. Literally, exercise yourself unto godliness. Now, 15 times in the New Testament, the word godliness is used. 13 of those are used in the pastoral epistles, and none of them are used in 1 Timothy. It is a very important theme, obviously, to this letter. So in this, it means respect or reverence. In its secular use, the, the Greek word was used for respect of rulers, magistrates, and parents. But in the New Testament, Paul is saying, and you to train your lives in the sense of respect of God, in God-fearing. You see, what has happened to us as believers is we've had a, a revolution that has come in our life. We've gone from dead to life. We have a new Lord. We have a new person that we live for, empowered by the Spirit. And the revolution that has happened is that we have gone from self-centered people to God-centered people. That in our lives that we are to live in a way that we, are, we, we used to live that, and say that there is no room for us, for God in us. But now we say that I have set the Lord before us always. In verse 8, Paul emphasizes the importance of spiritual exercise by then contrasting physical exercise with spiritual exercise. What he says is, is yes, physical exercise is very important, but how much more is spiritual exercise and growing in godliness? Because physical exercise, guess what? Only lasts for now as long as you have your body. But spiritual exercise is good now and to eternity. So as we are growing in our faith, our, we know that we are receiving the gospel, that we are living the gospel, that we are repenting of our sin and believing in Christ, and that we live and train every day to be more and more and more and more like Jesus. And we know that when we came to faith, Many of us know that we are to repent, to turn from sin and turn to God, that we are to repent and to believe. But Christians know this. When we come to faith, we begin a road of repenting every day. It's not just a one time. Yes, we gain salvation, but our life becomes a lifetime of repentance, 
of knowing and admitting that we're sinners, of knowing that, that daily there is sin that we must put to death, that knowing that we need to take off the old and put on the new, that we are to, to, to take off the flesh and to put on the spirit, that we're constantly coming and repenting and knowing and admitting this is sin and coming to Christ for forgiveness and knowing to live by the spirit. Therefore, it's a, it's a daily routine, just as anyone who gets up and walks or runs or does yoga or does whatever to exercise every day, every day a Christian gets up to repent, believe, and follow God in the Spirit. Ephesians 4, 20 through 24 says, but that is not how you came to know Christ, assuming you heard about him and were taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, to take off your former way of life. The old self that is being corrupted by deceitful desires to be renewed in the spirit of your minds to put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness and righteousness and purity of truth. So brothers and sisters, we know the new way of our life is to follow in godliness. So someone here today needs to come to grips with a sin that is in our lives. Someone here, which I would say is all of us, is there is a besetting sin that we have excused and we've allowed to continue. May it be selfishness, maybe a pride, maybe, maybe hurting in a relationship, or we're hurting someone in a relationship. But you're at a point today that when you read these words, that you've said, in this area, I know I failed to train in godliness. I know that I've not put this to death. But praise God, brother and sister, because you who know Jesus can take that sin to the one who gives you forgiveness, to the one who gives you grace, to the God who already came to die for you. Praise God that he meets you right where you are right now and that you are covered by his son Jesus and that you can confess and receive forgiveness. And if you're here today, and you're considering, considering Christianity or you're considering the truth about God or you're wondering if you should trust in what the God of the Bible and Christianity says, where else can you go to find a God like this? Where else can you go to find a God who says, yes, you are sinning against me. You are unholy. You deserve punishment. But in the same God, who gave his son to die for you because he loves you. Where else can you go? Where else can you go? Nowhere. And this God is calling you today. God is telling you that he loves you. And that by repentance and faith, you can be his child today. Today, you can answer his call. But brother and sister, once you have admitted that there is a problem, then by the Spirit and the Word, then you must walk away from that sin. You must change that behavior. 
You must walk in the Spirit. And maybe today you need to begin to train your mind in godliness. Isn't it good that God's Word gives us ways to do that? Maybe you need to flip over to Philippians chapter 4, 8 and 9. And you need to say what Paul writes there. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any moral excellence or anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things and do what you have learned and received and heard from me. Paul tells to Timothy, hey, you as an elder, you as a pastor, you need to live this very same way. Don't let anybody say, oh, you're too young. No, you be an example to your church. You be an example to other believers by your, your speech and conduct and love and faith and purity. Very similar. We all need to be looking to change and create and train our minds to live in godliness. So then instead of thinking on the, at the end of the day, consider these words and think about what you have thought that day that is a lie. And instead, Paul says, whatever is true, think on these things. So maybe you've taken Satan's bait and you think there's something wrong with you. That you are different than everybody else in the world. That all these bad things are happening only because there is something significantly wrong with you. Or that you've taken Satan's lies to think that, you know what, this thing that I'm going through right now, it is so bad. God is not with me. God will not walk with me. God is absent. I can't even know that he's here anymore. Or maybe you think... This, this problem that I'm walking through is that is never going to end. There, there is no way out. Well, brothers and sisters, you get to come back to those feelings of lies and speak the truth. You get to say, no, 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 no. God has created me just the way that I am. And he loves me. And he adores me. And it might not feel like right now that God is with me but his word says that he is right there walking with me even through the valley of shadow of death I know that he is with me and this might not seem right now that it's ever going to end but God is faithful and he will provide a way out for me it may not be today it's usually never on our timetable. But he will get us out. Or maybe you need to think of another one of these phrases in here about purity. Maybe at the end of the day you think back of the things that have been impure that you have just been snacking on like my Twizzlers or whatever other snack food that I've got on the side of my bed and that I'm eating on. You're, you're snacking on impure thoughts. You're watching impure things. But in two different verses, in two different books of the Bible, our minds should be training in purity. So what is it that we need to filter out that we might not be allowing us to have pure thoughts? 
So day by day, you help, ask God to help you put sin to death. You work with the word and the spirit to walk out and train your mind to live in a godly way. And brothers and sisters, let me ask you this very simple question. Why are you doing it alone? People spend thousands of dollars to go get a personal trainer so that they know when they show up in, to exercise that there's someone there to hold them accountable, to make sure that they, they know what exercise to do, to keep them on the right path, to put goals in front of them. So why do we as Christians who know we're supposed to train in godliness think that we're, we're lone rangers? God gave us a gift of the church. He's given brothers and sisters in faith to help us along the way. He's given us the church to sit under God's word. He's given us other Christians that we can go like in our life groups and talk about these struggles. Find out from others how we can be encouraged that we can sit down with a brother or sister and one-on-one or one-on-two and say, here's my life. Help me to grow in godliness and all these things. We have help from the Lord Jesus Christ by saving other people around us so that we can be poured in and helped along the path of godliness. So brothers and sisters, we reject this in some way because we think, oh, well, we don't want to show ourselves, but well, then why ever have trainers? Why ever have any of these people to do this? We have people around us who love us, want us to see the goodness of godliness. So Christians, it's one thing to have no abs and no endurance in this world, physically speaking. But it's a whole nother thing to be weak and not enduring, spiritually speaking. When we don't endure, it's a key of our overall eternal salvation. But if we are saved, we know that we are to be enduring to the end. And God calls us to work out our faith and grow in godliness. We Christians make weak families. We Christians make weak churches. What are you doing to grow in godliness? Brothers and sisters, let us be healthy Christians who leave legacy of other healthy Christians and a healthy church. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for these words today. Lord, I, I pray and know that all of us are thinking through the ways in which you are challenging us to grow in holiness and godliness. But God, we are so thankful that we are not left into despair, but instead that we are raised up to hope, the hope that is the gospel. God, you love us and you don't want us to stay where we are, but instead grow up in Christ. And so Lord, I pray this morning as we consider these things that we understand your word and that we are empowered by the Holy Spirit, by grace, you grow us day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, decade by decade, so that when we eat, enter glorious heaven, that we may endure in godliness. God, I pray for someone here that may be considering you 
salvation, the gospel, and our life in faith. I pray, God, that you would save them today and see that you are far greater and far more valuable than anything in this world and that you love them. And by faith and repentance, they may be saved today. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.